Hey everybody, welcome to a special video edition of Navel Gazing, the Valley Indie podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll of valleyindie.org. That's a nonprofit online newspaper covering Ansonia. I don't know why I can't say Ansonia, but Ansonia, Derby, and Seymour. That's in Connecticut's lower Naugatuck Valley, in case you're listening from Mars. My guest this week is Sharon Clotius, the president and CEO of the Valley Community Foundation, headquartered in Derby. Welcome back to the program, Sharon. Always great to be here with you, Eugene. No matter how we do it, right? Exactly. Yeah, by phone, in person, Zoom. Uh, as long as it gets done. I, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today because I think it's a hugely important uh, issue. We're going to be talking about uh, sort of the COVID-19 economic impact and what the Valley Community Foundation, the Valley United Way, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Health and Human Services here in the Valley, uh, what they're doing to address this evolving need that we're seeing, especially locally uh, in the Valley. And it's a subject I feel I'm sort of isolated as a reporter in the Valley, even though I cover the communities, I tend to be just focusing on sort of the politics and government meetings. And so I'm not sure if the actual impact COVID-19 is having, other than the numbers that I report of people who have come down with the disease is really being felt. So I think uh, Sharon, during this interview, will be able to uh, provide some information and information about how people can help. So anyway, it's very nice to have you here. Good to be here. So I often touch base with uh, John Reddy, and he's the Donor Services and Communications Director for your organization, the VCF in Derby. And in correspondence with him about a month ago, he indicated that there was this widely anticipated, he called it a tsunami of need coming in the Valley because of the uh, sort of after effects of COVID-19. So Sharon, your organization, just by the nature of what it does, what its mission is, really has its collective finger on the pulse of needs in the lower Naugatuck Valley. So my two questions just to start off, is that tsunami still on the way and can you describe it for me? Oh, it's absolutely still on the way. We, I can't even answer to let you know what it's going to look like yet. What we do know is that it's coming. Um, and the reason we don't know what it's gonna look like right now is because we don't know how many companies have actually closed their doors completely and are laying people off. So we don't know what the true unemployment rate is. We don't know what's gonna happen with those that are currently on unemployment. What happens when they, you know, whether they're going to be given $400 extra a week or $600 extra a week, what's going to happen when they don't get that? And what's going to happen when all of a sudden the landlords need to get that back rent that they haven't been receiving and all of a sudden people are said, we need you to you know, start giving us, um, making up for all of these pieces that have been put on hold thank goodness, have been put on hold all this time. But at some point in time, those things do become due. And, you know, before uh, we went, now we're not live, we're recording this, but before our Zoom session started, I was sort of poking around the internet uh, because this is such a, a big picture issue. 
uh, in the Valley in Connecticut and of course beyond. But like one thing you brought up was unemployment. And I've been trying for months to sort of get a handle on, I remember during the great give, I asked every politician who came on, what's the unemployment rate? What's happening in terms of COVID? And uh, like you said, to this day, if you go to the Department of Labor website here in Connecticut, and this is not a knock against the Department of Labor or the state of Connecticut, but they say right on there in red, it is the, the rate of unemployment is significantly underestimated uh, because people who are unemployed, a lot of times are being classified as just away from work, which is a COVID-related complication to collecting this data. But in June, even with that said, The state uh, unemployment rate in June was about 10%, vastly understated. And Sonia was at 13.6. Again, and that's a high number, but it's assuming that that's vastly understated. Derby was at 12%. Oxford, 8%. Seymour, 10.4%. Shelton, 10%. I also looked up how many businesses are getting or receive those PPP loans that, that the government gave out, gave out. And I guess this was really, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, because I think you're in a better position to know than I am. This saved thousands and thousands of jobs in the Valley. 16 businesses in Ansonia got it, according to data I saw. 18 in Derby, 25 in Seymour, 143 companies in Shelton. And I believe that the, the, what was made public was $150,000 or more. So without that, if there was no PPP uh, uh, program from the government. What would the situation have been like uh, a few months back, Sharon? Do you have any idea? Oh, it would have just been dire. It really would have been. I think, in, to me, um, many of those companies, now that they receive the PPP, hopefully some of those will be able to be forgiven. And I know I was on a number of calls listening to the state, um, the advancedct.org, which is, you know, status of the state working and everything else. And our state really needed to be able to try and get as much federal dollars and federal support in as possible. So that PPP money is federal money. So it's additional money that came into our state, which is fantastic. And then hopefully some of these will be forgiven because they were able to keep people on that unemployment or not unemployment, but furloughed and being able to make those payroll commitments. Um, If not, they would have had to put everybody, you know, let people go, lay people off um, in order to try and keep those employees. I'm sorry, not keep those employees, but at least now when they're opening their doors again, they're able to keep those employees and get them back, hopefully to work. But one of the things that you were mentioning Uh, with those numbers of unemployment and everything else. When we did the community index last year, you may recall our conversation, we did the community index. And one of the things that was really highlighted there, um, as far as the economics are concerned, is what a service industry we are. In In the Valley, primarily, and in the state of Connecticut, we become much more service oriented, service type businesses than we are manufacturing. And it's those service businesses, it's people who work in the hotels, in the restaurants, you know, the service field, the, the aides and, and that type of workers, those are the ones who were laid off. And those are the ones that are still not getting back to work. And that's why our rates are even higher sometimes because of that. And that was particularly true in Shelton where there are hotels basically in our, in our hyper local area. 
Uh, the hotels are all on Bridgeport Avenue in Shelton. And yeah, I was looking at, uh, I believe they're called the Warren Acts that the Department of Labor puts out that anybody can look up on the Connecticut Department of Labor website. And those are when the companies are required by law if they're going to need to do a big layoff to, to warn the government that this is, is coming. Uh, and it was all hotels right off the bat. It was, it was all the hotels uh, uh, first that, that were really hit hard from this. And of course, what we're saying here is like the, 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 my, one of my points was the PPP loans kept people employed, but the, the crisis is still in our country. COVID-19 is still circulating. We're still uh, uh, feeling its effects. I mean, it could very well come back. That, that remains an open question. Uh, and then in terms of, I, I just wanted to highlight on August 7th, the Connecticut Mirror, which is ctmirror.org. That's the nonprofit sort of statewide newspaper that I highly recommend people read. Uh, they had a story. I don't have the author's name in front of me. I apologize. But uh, the story was uh, about a, a, an impending housing crisis that could be coming. Uh, and I'll just read the first graph. It said, Connecticut is on the precipice of a housing crisis if it hasn't already arrived. 1,100 people call the state every day seeking help from Connecticut's coronavirus housing assistance program in paying their rent or mortgage bills. Only about 170 of the callers actually qualify for help under the program's narrow parameters. And the odds will soon get worse unless something changes. Just bear with me for one more second. State eviction rates are expected to jump from 4% in a typical year to 7% this year. Nearly a quarter of renters in Connecticut miss their June rent payment. Roughly one in 11 homeowners are behind on their mortgages. So I, I guess with, uh, I don't mean to concentrate on the, the doom and gloom here, but it, this is a serious issue. And I mean, we have the COVID-19 recovery and response fund that a number of nonprofits, uh, including the VCF, started. So explain what that fund is. And it, now we're in this, what phase are we in? Well, you don't even want to say you're in recovery because it's, we don't even know when that recovery, you know, you still have COVID out there. You still have the virus out there that's active. But when we established the fund, and that was the we I'm referring to is the Community Foundation along with the Valley United Way, the Valley Chamber of Commerce, and then the group of the Health and Human Service Council, which is made up of 40 some nonprofits, um, coming together to say, we need to have a COVID response fund to deal with just specifically COVID um, response and recovery fund, just for the Valley and um, response and recovery. That fund was established in the very beginning and it gave out three rounds of grants. Right now, 145,000 has been distributed uh, from that fund. And those initial grants were for food, you know, going to our, our shelters or our pantries. It was for PPE, you know, for our essential workers. And it was for some of these changes that the organizations had to go through. So the going to telehealth, you know, a lot of our nonprofits had to all of a sudden gear up to be mm. able to provide their services in a different way. Now we are gearing up this fund again for the, what we're thinking is going to be this tsunami that's coming. We got a real challenge for our nonprofits because they not only are going to have this tremendous need 
because of being able to um, serve their clients that are coming through their doors, they also haven't been able to do any other fundraisers. So, you know, here an organization might be ready to do a fundraiser and they count on that $40,000, $50,000 of revenue to come in to be able to do, um, to support their operations, and now they don't have it. And they also may have a huge influx, like you're talking about with mm -hmm. housing, they're going to have a very large influx um, of clients that need their support and need their help. Our, our food pantries will have a much more um, stronger need to be out there to provide services for their clients and many more clients will be knocking at their doors. So we just, like I said, we don't know what happens when all of a sudden we find out who's unemployed, who's really unemployed, what that number is, and when all of a sudden they're not getting that support. They're not getting the extra money from um, the unemployment check. They're not getting uh, this, this stay from getting evictions because they're going to start going through the courts again. So we don't know what that picture is. We just know that it's really coming. And um, when we first went out, we've raised um, almost a quarter of a million dollars for this fund. And like I said, we've already um, distributed 145. We're kind of holding back a little bit right now till we can raise the funds for this fund some more. And so we're doing some multiple campaigns to get um, the awareness out there that this is, it's not over it's, yet. It's a huge problem. And what you just described is, you know, there's this sort of double or triple whammy uh, coming where you have a, a looming housing crisis, uh, perhaps is, is on the way. We've got businesses struggling uh, to stay open. We don't know if some will reopen. Uh, that further uh, hurts our community and the economy, of course. Then you've got the services, uh, the nonprofits that are out there that are usually there, that safety net to help people when they need help. They're in trouble. Uh, you know, I've been reading a message from uh, the VCF and others uh, from that group every week on this podcast. And there's that part where it says some might even close their doors, which is sort of unfathomable uh, to think about. Uh, so how can people help? This, this fund still exists. It's oh. done a ton of good in terms of, uh, of getting, I mean, you're talking, when you said earlier, uh, the protective equipment, th that went to like ambulance corps and hospitals. I mean, frontline uh, people who are on there. So how can people help? Uh, and because obviously it's a cliche, but we're all in this together and we're all going to need to sort of step up uh, and give to this fund. How do we do it? Thank you. Thank you, Eugene. Um, we are, like I said, we're starting a new campaign right now saying these are the three ways you can help. You can give directly to the COVID fund that happens to be on, it's, it's housed, it's only housed on our website because we're acting as the fiduciary agent um, or the fiscal agent on this but you can go and make a direct contribution to the COVID fund. You can increase your contribution to your favorite nonprofits because if you usually give your nonprofit in $50 a year, boy, if you can increase that to 75 or a hundred, that's, if people can increase, you know, not just make their gift, but actually increase their gift. And the other way is the Valley United way. They've got, uh, 12 partner agencies, I think it's 12, might be more than that, I'm sorry, United Way, in which um, 
you can give to the United Way, work with them in their uh, corporate campaign that's going to be coming up and get that money through the United Way out to those other partner agencies that they have. We're going to be able to, again, I'm going to add to the challenge here. The Community Foundation has already made all of their, most of their grants for the year. We just announced and you, I think, um, publicized that for us, our grant making. The Catherine well, not yet. I have to put a bunch of hyperlinks in there. Right. I, it, it'll be, by the time this comes out, it'll be up. I apologize. Catherine Matthews Foundation has already made their grants for the year. The United Way has made it for this year and are getting ready for this, you know, next spring. And we have these challenges that, you know, the grant money had to get out the door as soon as possible because our nonprofits and our communities needed it. But this, this COVID fund can be giving out at any time. So when we start hearing that there is a great need and our nonprofits are saying, I literally need this or I'm closing my doors. We wanna have this fund available for them to be able to apply for not a $2,500 grant, but maybe a $10,000 grant or $25,000 grant, because that is how big their need is gonna be when they need to do these things. Um, because it's just, it's just that, that dire. And so you've got grant making organizations, but we're limited. So like I say, we've already gotten the majority of our dollars out for this year already. And we're only in August. Mm. So we know that there's gonna be a great, tremendous need the end of this year and definitely next year. So if companies wanted to pledge for two years, okay, I can give you $5,000 this year and 5,000 next year. At least we know it's coming in and we don't have to go back out and do another ask. Because that's what's hard is, you know, we, a lot of people were absolutely, uh, we got a quarter of a million dollars and that's a lot of donations that came in. And that's why we, we have to say we still need some more help. So if you've already given and you can do it again, please do. Because if you can do a multi-year, okay, I'll commit this year and next year because we know right now, we know it's definitely going into 2021 that these nonprofits are gonna be needing the support. And I even hate to say it could be going into 2022 by the time they could get into recovery. It's just, it's gonna to be tough. And that's what all, that all signs are, are pointing to that. Yeah, this thing is, is, is not over, although, Today, it kind of feels like, oh, we're doing okay. I can go to the beach maybe. But like, there is still a, a huge need out there. Uh, the website, if I want to give, is, it's valleyfoundation.org, right? That's correct. Yep. And then right on the front page is the COVID fund. It's very easy uh, to do it. Uh, it's not like an intrusive process. It takes like five minutes uh, to do. And I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Sharon, ha have any nonprofits closed yet uh, in the Valley? I probably would have, I assume I would have heard that, but I just want to but, check. You know, I, not that I know of, not that I know of, um, but at the same time, you know, it's hard to tell. It's always hard to tell because they're technically very difficult for them to do business sometimes, some of them. Mm -hmm. But most of them are really trying to do um, their work online. And as we've been saying, or, or people have been saying, support your local restaurants, you know, get your takeout. I know that my family, we try to do one or two nights a week where we do takeout just to keep supporting 
our local restaurants. Well, the same thing happens with some of our arts organizations. They're in dire straits because it's very hard for them to do a performance. So they've been trying to do things online and, and different venues and, you know, pay attention to it and think about why they're doing it because they really need the support. Those yeah, fundraisers I, were big, you know. And it's, yeah, it is amazing how in terms of the arts uh, that can sort of slip away from the front of people's minds when something like this happens. But uh, yeah, that's a very good, good point. And, you know, there was a, a columnist uh, for Hearst, the Hearst uh, empire, uh, Susan Campbell, she had a column August 8th uh, this month and her, her headline was quote, a tsunami of displaced people as CT faces eviction emergency. So if there's anybody out there who wants to uh, learn more about this, there's, there's been plenty of sort of a, a big picture coverage of this issue. I'm, I, I'm still not convinced it's, it's hitting home uh, at this point, uh, but which is one of the reasons we, we were doing And one of the things, or billboards going up, where will we see these? And what are, that, what are the, the billboards to stress the, the ways you can help? What, is yeah, it, what are exactly. the billboards about? The, the, all the billboards and the ads stress these three ways of helping through you know, giving to the COVID fund, participating in the Valley United Ways um, campaign, as well as that direct gift to your favorite, favorite um, organizations. And sometimes one way that might work to be able to set these up would be to do recurring gifts because then sometimes it doesn't hurt as much, if you know what I mean, to give each month maybe $20. And I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think my internet cable, our uh, internet connection just became unstable. I got that deadly Zoom message, so <laughs> I, I apologize for that. Uh, you you might have cut out briefly, Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, I mean, I, the gist of the billboards, it, it gives you the, the ways uh, to give. Correct. I don't want to make you repeat yourself. I'm afraid that'll happen again. So we might want to just, we might want to wrap this up, but before we go, because uh, I have no ability to pause and come back to this, I'm not that advanced. But the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was you had mentioned uh, a lot of nonprofits canceled their annual uh, dinner or breakfast or their big you know, fundraising event of the year, so many. And again, these nonprofits are, you know, they're out there helping people. They're, they're our safety net. Uh, and the VCF was among. Every May, you would have uh, your annual uh, uh, dinner, for lack of, is that what you called it? A dinner? Donor reception. Heavy donor order. reception. Heavy order, is right. Uh, and, and, but this year, in, you decided to use the money for other things. Please explain that to me before my yeah, uh, computer well, because, explodes. Yes, because the Community Foundation it wasn't one of our fundraisers. It was one of our appreciation events. And we would have it usually at Racebrook and have about 200 people there. Um, and so instead of being able to have it, because, of course, we postponed it first, but then we found out, no, we really can't even still have it this year. So we took some of that, the proceeds of that, and actually did appreciation gifts, giving um, gifts to our first responders, our healthcare workers at our senior facilities, senior living facilities, as well as Griffin Hospital and team, some of those different organizations that are frontline 
and we just wanted to share our appreciation. The um, ambulance corps and the um, fire departments, people, you know, in those critical positions to mm. say thank you. Yeah, I have a note here. There were several hundred packages of lip balm and hand creams given to Griffin Hospital, all, all kinds of stuff like that. So that's nice. And it was amazing to see uh, in the first few weeks of this as everything was shutting down and we entered this very strange and scary Twilight zone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was nice to see people just automatically give in, in, in that type of way. I mean, you know, we, we started a column uh, where we would just, I, I had to just take everything from Facebook of all the things that were being donated to just help out in some way. And we had like a running list for a while uh, yeah. there, which was just good to see. Uh, so anyway, I, I want to thank you, Sharon, uh, for coming on the program today. Uh, and hopefully uh, there, there were no technical different. I, I don't know. We're, you, you and I are kind of, whenever I have somebody on from the BCF, something, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Something... <laughs> Murphy's well, law talking even though you were you know not moving and everything else yeah exactly I just kept talking I just kept talking so you are a professional yeah. that's the difference here the show <laughs> must go on but before I let you go is there anything else you wanted to add or that I haven't uh, brought up oh I think you did a phenomenal job like you always have done you're very insightful of what the needs are in the valley and I we just all really really appreciate that and our Valley nonprofits appreciate that. And um, if people can, you know, be able to make contributions to one of these three ways, you know, that's what we really want to have happen. So absolutely. You. Well, with that, I want to thank you uh, again for coming on, and it was great to see you. And best of luck with with the fund and and just helping everybody in the valley. Great. Thank you.